Boss! 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 You know, Sam, it's times like these when you have to appreciate the strong leadership of the athletic department and the teams within that athletic department. We here at Ralphie Report, and this is the podcast at the buzzer, um, you know, we're, we cover CU, but we're fans of CU, and it puts us in a nice, fun spot. Um, and I'm just glad to see that uh, when, when people are freaking out, pandemics on the horizon, um, we have proactive leaders in place. And I was just glad to see that before anyone else was even talking about it, before the Ivy League canceled the tournament um, to determine their postseason champion, where CU Bas- Buffalo's basketball team and Tab Boyle stopped playing basketball weeks ago. <laughs> they were ahead of the entire country on this. I was waiting for your punchline. <laughs> and now we know. Now we know. They look like they look clairvoyant mm. in the face of this coronavirus epidemic. Because they stopped immediately after UCLA came to Boulder and, and beat them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm Jack. That's Sam. <laughs> Welcome this to is the buzzer. <laughs> so, what do we have on the docket today besides coronavirus apparently hitting CU possibly? I don't know what's going on. Who knows? Um, luckily, like I said, CU basketball has taken the correct precautions by barely showing up to any road games they've played since then. Oh, geez. Well, we have a completed football staff. That should be fun to talk about. Uh, you know, there's still the Pac-12 tournament that has to be scheduled to be played. Yeah, we also had a podcast last week that we recorded, but didn't get published. So I guess we're just going to have to rehash everything we tried to talk about yesterday. I'll try to be more enthusiastic. We certainly don't <laughs> have to, to rehash. I mean, pretty much what we said was incorrect. So <laughs> oh. who cares? Oh, about the Utah game. Yes, that was very much incorrect what we thought. We both thought CU would roll over Utah, but they, 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 they did not. Well, I guess who would have thought in the face of a 40-point win in the previous game that the, it would be a 42-point swing. Whatever. Uh, we'll get to that in due time. Um, let's start with, I guess, the semi-more exciting news on the football front. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, well... Before we get to the fun stuff, let's make bad things worse. And it looks like all all things going forward, Antonio Alfano is not going to be on the CU football team in 2020. Is he, uh, like, suspended completely? He is indefinitely suspended completely, yeah. But the, what does that mean? Does that uh, mean? I would guess he's not going to be back unless he does some serious work on his reputation. He's not going to be back on the team for quite some time. Okay. Well, <laughs> all, here's all we're going to say. There was a reason that a five-star transfer from Alabama was available on the transfer market. Um, and it certainly did not help him that the two people he connected to, Jimmy Brembaugh and Mel Tucker, are both gone. Mm-hmm. This is also, uh, if you ever go look at the top 10 recruits CU has ever gotten, uh, Alfano would be like number one, I think. But everybody no, no, else. No, no, no. Oh, sorry. Daryl Scott and uh, Marcus Hughes yeah. is number one. Yes. Okay. Uh, Alfano is number three then. But pretty much everybody they got 
out of those top recruits had some character issues that uh, didn't quite work out. Yes. Well, and the, I should, we should both say that, you know, SCU was recruiting their best. There wasn't any rankings, blah, 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 blah. Either way, long story short, uh, don't count on him in 2020. Um, yeah. Which, luckily, if you're, if you're looking at the strongest positions on the CU football team, uh, defensive line has to be number one or number two. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he was going to, I guess, split time with Terrence Lang, but now Terrence Lang can just do his thing. Um, and then opposite Mustafa Johnson and Jaleel Sammy uh, in the middle. So, I mean, that's still pretty good. Well, not only do they have plenty of raw talent, um, they are being coached by one of the best defensive line coaches, in, in at least in CU history. Nice, nice transition. I know. I am a professional. <laughs> um, yeah, CU has hired a full football staff. Um, and I don't know. We have, as Sam would say, we had thoughts from last week, but now that it's been officially official and that the people that we rumored are no longer rumors, um, it can be a little bit easier to crystallize those thoughts. Um, Sam, what are your first impressions? I'm really excited about Chris Wilson on the staff. Um, I think what does he coach? He coaches defensive line, the coach that you were just referencing. <laughs> He's been all over the place. He was at CU in the mid to early 2000s. Um, he coached, um, for instance, Tyler Brayton and Justin Bannon. Um, then he coached uh, at Oklahoma, Georgia, USC, Mississippi State. Always like, I mean, obviously they have recruiting pipelines there, but he developed a lot of players like Gerald McCoy and Fletcher Cox, uh, for instance. And then he went to the Philadelphia Eagles and helped them win the Super Bowl. And that team, if you remember, was driven by their entire defensive line. Well, who was it? That was Fletcher Cox. That was Brandon Graham. That was Uh, Chris Long. Chris um, Long. And uh, there was another one that was pretty big. I forget who. Yeah. Oh, um, Derek Barnett. Yes, Tennessee legend. Um, Chris Wilson, like you said, he's been around everywhere. He has deep Texas connections. That's where his original recruiting connections are. He has deep California connections from his time at uh, USC. Um, He is a pretty perfect fit in what you're looking for on the defensive line. Um, He was actually rumored to be John Embry's next defensive coordinator if John Embry wasn't fired in 2012. Mm. Um, so it's nice that he gets to come back with a clean slate um, under a guy that he almost, he basically rubbed shoulders with as Carl Durrell was on his way out of Boulder. Chris Wilson was on his way in. It's um, he is as pretty much as proven as they come at developing players recruiting. He's been good, but like you said, it's been good to be, it's easy to be good at recruiting when you're at USC in Oklahoma. Oh, he also had Leonard Williams. Who's my favorite USC Lineman yes, ever. and Kenny Bigelow, who is also a legend, I think. I, oh, think. I don't actually know who that is. Wow. <laughs> um, all I'm saying is this: when you have raw talent like Antonio Alfano, uh, who's suspended, but Mustafa Johnson, you know, is a great player. Terrence Lang broke out last year. Um, Jalen Sammy, as you mentioned, and then you know, all the freshmen last year that contributed. You had. 
Janaz Jordan, who was that junior college transfer that came in and played well. Austin Williams contributed early. You have Naeem Rodman, who is starting or playing spot minutes all year. Um, Jaden Simon, a bunch of bodies for him to work with. I'm excited about him. And I mean, the incoming guys too. Like he also works with defensive ends. And I know uh, Brian Michalowski recruited Jason Harris, right? Who is, uh, who is solely on board. Yes. The, the prized defensive end recruit. Um, so, I mean, like, like it helps to have a defensive line coach who was a defensive ends coach. So he's going to help a lot with the, the outside attacking edge rushers. I guess, and you bring up a good point. Um, another thing that's nice, an underrated part about this staff is uh, somehow Carl Durrell retained the, either retained the right people or hired the right people where CU only lost one recruit uh, out of the 25. The, the one person who got released from his letter of intent was Will Anglin, which makes total sense. He was an Ohio kid who Mel Tucker targeted late. Uh, he came to CU because Mel Tucker played under his high school coach in Ohio. Um, That's right. So that is a guy that it, it, it hurts to lose. He was super talented, and he would have played right away, at least on special teams. But uh, it makes total sense, and I can't blame him for jumping ship. Everyone else, though, Brendan Rice, Jason Harris, Ashad Clayton, uh, all the, the main studs of the class stayed on board, and everyone else um, seems happy with the direction that CU is going. Um, so let's be... run through the full. Let's run through the full defensive staff. So okay, Chris defensive Wilson. coordinators. Sorry, so defensive coordinator <laughs> slash inside linebackers is Tyson Summers mm-hmm. from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to move to defensive line where it's Chris Wilson. Mm-hmm. And then inside – oh, sorry. I already said inside linebackers. Uh, outside linebackers is uh, Michalowski. Is it Brian Michalowski? Uh, uh, yeah, I say, I say Michalowski. I'm sure Michalowski is correct. But he I said is, Michalowski last yeah, time. I don't know. He's a holdover from last year. Yeah. Um, so he was promoted his first year last year as a coaching staff. But before that, he was quality control. A mm-hmm. graduate assistant, and he mm-hmm. has like Arizona connections and some Georgia connections. I mean, he's a pleasant surprise. He's pretty cheap because, like Sam said, he has never been an on field coach before. Recruited his ass off, especially in Arizona. Um, and honestly, I thought he developed the outside linebackers pretty well in this new scheme. So, yeah, and um, like I definitely think a good keep. Players like him. Yeah, which, yeah, it's. A good, he's a good luxury to have. See, he's going to have to give him a raise, I think, pretty soon to keep him. But um, get the cheap, good recruiter, good coach while you can. Yes. And then um, in the secondary, we have Demetrius Martin to do cornerbacks. And you have been, you have been wanting Martin on the CU staff for years. Yeah. And you finally get him. And if we remember, I'm sure people. I don't know why they would, but um, almost every article I've written. Even since when Jim Levitt, Levitt left, um, one of my top two, when I said who's going to replace Jim Levitt, defensive coordinator, I wrote an article in 2016, and one of my top two um, candidates was Demetrius Martin, who was then at UCLA. I mean, I remember you wanted CU to hire Demetrius Martin over Shadon Brown a long time ago. Right. Yes. Oh, man. I forgot about Shadon Brown. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, like, your, your love affair with Demetrius Martin has been – Long coming. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now take the bait and talk about yes. it. Um, yes. So, okay. 
Coach Meat, as he's called, is um, he was at Arizona this past year, and apparently he just never gelled that well with that staff. He he was fighting with Chuck Cecil, who's a legend down there. He was fighting with Kevin Sumlin, um, and frankly, who can blame him? Um, and he also recognized that he, he was a lone holdover holdover on that defensive staff from last year to this year. That puts him in a precarious position, especially if someone is fired after this year. Um, so he was looking to get out, and Carl Durrell provided a lifeboat. Um, and I think it's a perfect fit for the way the staff is set up. Demetrius Martin is known as one of the most dogged and, and, and I guess, um, knowable recruiters on the West Coast. He basically runs the Inland Empire, which is the area in and outside of L.A., um, and he is, he is a legend in Southern California with how he recruits. Um, his time at UCLA was he had a lot of good defensive backs, but not necessarily a lot of good secondaries. Part of that could be due to scheme. Part of that could be that he's just not that great of a X's and O's coach. He's a much better recruiter. Um, but the, with the way that the rest of the secondary coach was filled out, I think that's totally fine. He, yeah, yeah, he'll just get you guys. I mean, the one guy that he was in charge of this year for Arizona was unranked and no offers when he offered him. And then he ended this past year as a four star who flipped to Washington on signing day. My God. Uh, he is, he does nothing but get dudes. That's all he does is he'll get dudes. And I'm so glad that coach Shiv has a running mate to go with him to Southern California and grab some guys. Yeah, I'm excited. Like you, you've sold me on him for, I mean, obviously a long time, but yeah. So that's your guy that you're most excited about. Yeah. Well, and it, Honestly, it helps to me for me that he's he's coaching next to a guy in the secondary, even though one's technically cornerbacks and one's technically safeties. That is so solid fundamentally that I think any deficiencies that show up in Demetrius's style will be covered by this other guy. And who is that guy? Well, his name is Brett Maxey, um, who's a really interesting candidate. I thought a really good pluck by Carl Durrell. It's funny, a lot of the UCLA fans said that, you know, he was, he was an okay head coach, Carl Durrell, he was fine, he cleaned up the program. Definitely his best asset was the assistance he hired, um, which I guess is always a good asset to have, and I, I think it's bearing out this hiring cycle because he was put in a real bad spot timing-wise. And honestly, this you could make an argument that this staff was better than last year's staff. Brett Max yeah. is part of that. Um, he has... A bunch of connections to uh, the NFL game, similar to Carl Durrell. He was a secondary coach for about 12 years there after being a player for about 12 years on the Saints. Um, he had one short stint in college in Vanderbilt as the, as the secondary coach for two years. Um, he, was bas- he was part of the transition class. He was the, one of the only coaches retained by Vanderbilt when James Franklin left for Penn State. Yeah, and that, that was the year, by the way, Carl Durrell was the offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt. Right, so there's, there's the connection. Yeah. He, and then uh, Brett Maxey was also a longtime NFL player right. uh, who spent most of his career with the Saints. Yes, so there's some of the yeah. L.A. connection. Yeah. The other interesting was, thing about him yeah. is he spent the last two years as IMG Academy's defensive coordinator. Um, oh. oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so – Basically, he he wanted he had offers to be a secondary coach again in the NFL, but he said publicly that he wanted to be able to run his own defense to see what it was like. Um, and out of that came the IMG Academy because he was already in Florida for the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. So he spent yeah. he spent his years building connections down there. And if CU can pluck one or two of those guys, that's already a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a huge connection. I didn't even know about that. 
So to me, if you look at the secondary coach, man, that that is like a oh, what a beautiful combo. You have two guys. One's a known recruiter. One's a great developer, um, or at least a good X's and O's coach. If judging by his long experience in the NFL, he happens to have deep connections to to the best hotbed of talent in the country. Um, and he also knows Carl Durrell pretty well. It's, oh, I think that was a great hire that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so that was the last hire. So the defensive side looks stacked as far as I'm concerned. Like as far as you can expect with a coach leaving last minute and you're hiring coaches into March, I think that's as good as we could have expected. I, I think there's no question that at least on the defensive side of the ball, see so you upgraded. Mike Olowski mm-hmm. is a guy you want to keep. Um, Tyson Summers, I was on the fence about keeping, but continuity on the coordinator positions was probably good for this team. Um, yeah, I don't, he's, I don't mind that. And he's definitely a good inside linebackers coach. He has done that before in his career. Coaching um, Roquan Smith. It, well, wait. Yes, he was mainly uh, he was an inside linebackers coach at UCF and also at CSU um, when CSU had Josh Watson and UCF had a little uh, had a guy named Shaquem Griffin. But yeah. and Shaquille, but yes, yes. I thought that um, when uh, Summers was a graduate assistant, or when he was a quality control coach, uh, I guess quality control coaches don't get to work with the players, do they? They do. They just can't recruit off campus. Is the main difference. Oh, okay. Well, then I mean, he was at Georgia when Roquan Smith was there, so that's what I was referencing. <sighs> he he's fine, and it'll be interesting. He's never had two years at the same school as a defensive coordinator. So mm. technically this year is, is unproven. We have no idea what to expect. Um, keeping the scheme in, in, in place is probably a good move. And he has a lot of experienced defensive heads around him um, to more than steady the ship. I really, really like this defensive staff. Um, so the offensive staff has a lot more questions. Yes. Um, so Carl Durrell is probably going to be on the offensive side of the ball because he's an offensive guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren Shiverini is going to be offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. And call plays. He will officially call and plays. And call plays. Okay. I didn't know that until now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's going to be joined by the quarterback's coach. Who's that? Uh, quarterback's coach is a guy named Danny Langsdorf. Who you're a fan of, right? Um, in a vacuum, maybe not. On this offensive staff, absolutely. He has been... He's, a, he's kind of an old head who's been in a lot of places. So he was under Mike Riley for 13 years um, as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Um, he developed Matt Moore, who's obviously still an NFL player. He developed Sean Mannion, who's an all-timer Pac-12 quarterback. Um, he basically studied the ship. And he also has some done some work with dual threat players, um, given that he was also on Mike Riley's staff in Nebraska. Um, and worked with Tommy Armstrong, and who's also on Oregon State staff when they ran the wishbone. Um, he's a, he has deep West Coast roots. Um, he, he's going to be able to get you into a lot of doors in Oregon and uh, the Pacific Northwest. And he's been an offensive coordinator before, so it's a good guy to bounce ideas off of. Um, I think as just a quarterback's coach, and I think he's technically passing game coordinator, it's a, it's a good hire, especially this late in the game. Yeah, um, and you were talking to me earlier that like he's one of those guys who will get like one recruit a year, and then we'll just kind of develop that guy. 
Yeah, and that's really all you should ask for from your quarterback's coach. You really you don't want your quarterback's coach to be – if your quarterback's coach is your best recruiter, either he's, like, going to be a head coach in the next two years or your recruiting staff sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you want him to be the guy who just gets his quarterback once a year, develops a relationship, and develops them. And he's been proven that he can – he's proven that he can develop quarterbacks. Um, so moving on to running backs coach, it's still Darian Hagan, the who survives his uh, I think fifth coaching change. Love him. <laughs> CU, which is absurd that there's been so many coaching changes, but um, you do what you can. And Darian Hagan, all he does is get those prized, prized, prized running back recruits, finds them in the middle of nowhere sometimes, and turns mm-hmm. them into a thousand yard rusher. Yeah, I mean he's obviously a ridiculously good like good value because he's cheap because of how much he loves CU. Um, and all he does is develop a thousand yard rushers. Uh, I think for the staff to reach full potential, Hagen's going to have to recruit outside his position a little bit. Um, with the way that Darrell's been building the staff up, it, it, CU has a potential to be a major player in Southern California again. Mm-hmm. And, and for that potential to be realized, Darian Hagen needs to, get the swag back. I think um, too that I think with the running back position too, you could say that Darian Hagen has kind of like uh, fortified the running back position so much that you don't necessarily need to give it much attention in the next year or two. Um, just because like all the running backs, Alex Fontenot, Darren Mangum, Ashad Clayton, Deion Smith, Jarek Broussard, like it goes on. They're all freshmen or sophomores right now. Right. So I I think that might be a little dangerous. I think see, I think Darian Hagen more than has enough in him to get his dude and then also help other guys get their dudes. Okay. He I guess I'm, I'm saying that it doesn't have to be like a huge priority compared to um, other positions. No. I mean, we're swimming in, in running backs. Um, but part of that's because of Darian Hagen's recruiting prowess, and I don't think you want to limit that. Yeah, okay. Especially with Shiverini now in charge of game planning as well, he might have to have a step back on the recruiting trail. Oh, that's actually a pretty unfortunate, uh, unforeseen consequence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Man, okay. Um, so tight ends coach is going to be Taylor Embry, who is John Embry's son and has been spending his past few years as an NFL assistant. Do you have any thoughts on Taylor? I, I don't think we know anything about him especially as a recruiter, we have no clue how much he was in charge of uh, the 49ers' success. Obviously, they had the best tight end in the country, um, but they also had the the best tight end coach in the country in John Embry. Yeah, and that's George Kittle, who was developed from a fifth-round pick into an absolute freak of nature tight end. Right. Part of that is Kirk Ferentz not knowing how to use his elite athletes, but, (laughs) you know. Hey, man, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, Noah Font on the same team, and they didn't really do much offensively. I don't know. Like, he's young. He's from. He went to UCLA. He's from the area. He yeah, obviously he has there. that cachet. Yeah, he was also UCLA's leading receiver for a little bit. So he was like a good player. Yeah. I don't know how much. You know, it's not like people. It's not like tight end recruits coming up now are going to be like, oh wow, that Taylor Embry is the one talking to me. Um, but he, he has weight behind his name that he can throw around once he's in the room. He's going to have to work really hard, though, 
at recruiting. Um, honestly, the recruiting from Albapunu was a little bit lacking, I thought. I wish he'd tried harder. Um, but that's why you get a young guy who's at the start of his career so he can start – he can basically run circles around the oldies. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of a boomer bust um, hire, would you say? Yeah, I mean, the good thing is he doesn't have too many bodies to worry about, um, and he has some pretty fun talent coming in. Brady Russell's a solid as they come. Uh, Caleb Fourier, Christian Fourier's son, is, is coming in as a pretty highly touted recruit. Um, mm-hmm. Louis Passarello, too. Also, yeah, from the California area. He's going to be yeah, a good blocker. He's huge. Yeah, he's gigantic. Is Jared Poplowski finally healthy? No, he just tore his ACL again. God damn it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would not count on Poplowski for anything. But That's rough. Who else uh, is on the, the roster at tight end? I, I don't know if there's anyone else worth mentioning. Yeah. Darian Jones is on the roster last year, but he's gone. Yeah, Jail Stacks plays more fullback. Yeah. I, I have no clue what to expect. He is a complete unknown to me, Taylor Embry. Okay. Um, so, speaking of unknowns, who's our offensive line coach? <laughs> uh, his name is Mitch Rod- I think it's Rodriguez. I'm going to keep saying Rodriguez. It's Rodriguez. Um, yeah. Developer so, of the Rod blocking system. God, I need to look up this guy. Uh, okay, well, while you're looking him up, he has deep Louisiana <laughs> roots, um, which is another great recruiting area for CU to tap into. Um, and that kind of – you can kind of see Carl Durrell's thought process play out. Um, he grabbed Chris Wilson for the Texas Connections. He keeps Shiverini for the Texas Connections. He grabs Demetrius Martin for the California Connections. He grabs Taylor Embry for the California Connections. And now he's going for another classical CU recruiting ground, which is Louisiana and West Texas or East oh, Texas. Um, Get a and big old fat what, man from Louisiana. <laughs> right. That's, yeah, that's literally what he is. <laughs> I'm down. Especially <laughs> um, if he's a salesman. I bet he's a really good recruiter if he's a salesman. You know, people keep saying that. The problem is he was a offensive line coach for a high school the past two years. Um, and he, now he's gotten the call up. He, uh, you know, he was, he is a veteran. He was the, the running game coordinator for Louisiana when Jay Johnson was the offensive coordinator there, former former CU offensive coordinator. Um, so after Jay Johnson departed from Michigan State with Mel Tucker, um, it makes sense that Carl brought in the guy who knows the system, who knows the splits, who knows the blocks, um, and is also from a nice fertile recruiting ground to help run this the this offense. Um, it's hard to look at anything. It's hard to look at this as anything other than a guy who only got hired because we're looking we're looking in in late March or late February. So, yeah. you know it. He could be a massive success. I don't necessarily would – I would not bet on that because um, I feel like he would have gotten the call-up a, a while ago if he was a rising star. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, I'm still – I guess I'm – if he's a good coach, like I, I literally don't know how good of a coach he is. If he's good at developing guys, he just has to keep on the track that, like, they have those talented guys who have proven themselves the past year or two. Um, I just want him to keep that momentum going, I guess. Right. 
and you you hopefully he does that. I think at least for a stopgap, if, if even if he's only here for a few years, um, for this next year at least, he shouldn't disrupt things too much along the offensive line, uh, which, as you said, had finally gotten some positive momentum thanks to Chris Kapilovich. The, and he also has a pretty deep relationship with Chris Kapilovich. Um, C was already using his blocking system before he was hired, so it makes sense that this was the hire. Um, it just doesn't make it, it. I don't know. It's not going to excite people as much. Um, the other interesting thing with that, it, if you're looking for an optimistic silver lining with this hire, is Louisiana ran through the Sun Belt and also like pretty much beat up Georgia. Uh, and the run game when, when they played when Jay Johnson was the offensive coordinator and Rodriguez was the offensive line coach. So if he can capture some of that magic, CU's going to beat up on some teams this year as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we both want them to go with that run first mentality with that the running back class, I guess, that they have. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah. And then to have uh, William Sherman paving holes for them. Well, even past Sherman, you have um, Frank Phillip, who's had nothing. He's oozed potential. You have a bunch of road graders at guard. You have Casey Roddick, who can come in and play some really nice minutes. Kerry Kutch played well last year. Colby Purcell just just passed the 500 mark um, for his squats. So all these young talent guys are finally getting big, and Kabilovich really helped him out last year. But uh, you just hope that Rodriguez can – take the next step yeah um so i guess in summary with the offensive coaching staff there's a lot of unproven's taylor embry shiv at coordinator and then rodriguez offensive line langsdorf is more of like a he's a floor raiser more so than a high ceiling guy i would say um and then like Darrell, we don't really know what he's gonna look like as a head coach other than like a ceo type yeah, we've heard some things about how they want the offense to look. I don't think it's going to be that drastically different from last year. Um, Darrell, as an NFL guy, and as a lot of head coaches are going to say, he wants to be multiple. He wants to be able to speed things up when he has to or slow, slow things down when he has to. And to his credit, Chivarini has, has backed off from the blistering pace that he had in 2018. He talked about trying to be more multiple. Um and I, I don't know. It's going to be an experiment because it's new quarterback, new play caller, putting new coaches on the offensive side of the ball. And um, it looks like it's going to be likely Tyler Lytle, but we still don't know if Brandon Lewis will beat him out or if CU will bring in a grad transfer quarterback in the summer. Yeah, we have There's no still, clue. Yeah, we don't, we don't know. We can't say with any certainty who is going to be. Now, <laughs> here's some, I guess, right before we switch to basketball is a little – a little teaser, um, reading the Twitter tea leaves a little bit, Carl Durrell recently started following Jack Sears, who's a grad transfer quarterback from USC, um, who was set to go to San Diego State until Rocky Long left there. So now he's visited a bunch of schools who keep getting more and more desperate for <laughs> for a single uh, signal caller. So I have a question. Is Jack Sears good? We, no one knows. There's, there is no one knows. Cool. Uh, <laughs> he didn't of, beat out Keaton Slovis, if that helps you. Well, Keaton Slovis is pretty good. Right. Um, so it doesn't help me. Uh, 
Man. Um, do you want to talk about basketball? Do we want to do the masochism? Yeah, let's let's talk about basketball. Okay. I can lead. Um, <laughs> so CU has lost their past four games. Um, it was a home senior day to UCLA in which they just collapsed in the last 10 minutes. Um, then they lost the most depressing game of the season against Cal, where it didn't even look like CU was trying at all. They chucked 23s – or they ch- – they chucked 23s in the second half, oh which is God. basically a white flag of just, oh we don't really God. give a shit. We're just going to get on to the next game. That is disgusting. I know. Uh, then um, they played Stanford, which that's a game they should have taken control of, but every time they looked like they were cutting into it, they uh, would make some critical mistakes and Stanford would answer with like six straight points or something like that. They were so that was uh, that was frustrating. <sighs> and then Utah, they they see you had this big lead, and then Tad Boyle hasn't been able to trust the second unit, and the starters just got tired. They it just showed up like their defense got worse, and then Utah made a comeback, and then some sketchy ass calls got Utah into overtime. No, 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 no. Not some sketchy-ass calls. The yeah. game ended on one of the most BS. Look, I didn't say the game ended on sketchy calls. I'm saying it got to overtime via that. Okay. Can I, can I yell about the last call? Please do. Look, CU should not have been in the situation where they needed overtime anyways against Utah. That is undisputable. Already a disappointing game. McKinley Wright misses the front end of a one and one with eight seconds left in overtime. That with sucks. CU up one. That sucks. Semi inexcusable, but whatever. He's basically the only reason that CU was in that position to win that game, so I'm not gonna get mad at him. The fact that the thing that double sucked is that Booth Gotch both got how do you say it? The Utah guard that was just eating CU alive all day took a fadeaway three in the corner. Fell when he landed, despite no contact from the CU player. They called a foul on the CU player for, I guess, disrupting his landing spot or whatever. And that's how Utah won the game. Is ridiculous. That is, that is such garbage. That is garbage. I, oh, a fadeaway, a fadeaway three should not be rewarded, especially with no contact on the shot. Yeah, I don't know. Let's even say like that that that's a CU win completely if that doesn't get called obviously but um I don't know this this team looks I don't even know what to say right now do you have any words sure I have a lot of words yes go ahead if CU ever gets back to playing defense like they were they'll be fine that's I that's all it is to me that's all it is just get back to playing defense and you're fine but right now. Two, maybe three people look interested in playing defense, and that's what's killing you. This team yeah, is I built don't. off of two very important things that we all know Tab Oil values. It's built off of defense, and it's built off of rebounding. And right now there's a disconnect between the players and Tab Oil. I don't, it, is, it is the coach's job to make sure those disconnects don't happen, so this is on Tad Boyle. But also the effort isn't there, and you can see it's not there. McKinley Wright has had to drag the corpse of this team to the end of the year when they should have been finishing strong. If they finished as they should have finished, this conference is theirs. 
they they almost had a top four finish sewn up if they didn't lose to Utah, despite the fact they played like garbage for the two weeks prior. If yeah, they did I mean, play like garbage for the last three weeks, this is the all-timer team already in CU history. And now, unfortunately, it is tied with a few other teams in CU history with regular season wins. All they have is a bad taste in their mouth, and if they don't come out firing in the Pac-12 tournament, it's going to be nothing but a disappointment. Do you want to talk about the Pac-12 tournament? Because CU dropped to a sixth seed. They were first place three weeks ago, and they are now a sixth seed. Three weeks ago, they were 19-5. and five. They, they were, were 19 and 5. And six as well. Now they're 21 and 10. Yep. Yeah. That hurts. <sighs> um, so they play – actually, the sixth seed is pretty much better than the five seed, fortunately, in the Pac-12 tournament. You play Washington State, the 11 seed, instead of the 12 seed Washington. And Washington just swept Arizona and Arizona State at home, which is mm-hmm. kind of funny. Uh, or in Arizona, they swept them. So, CU's going to play Washington State. There is literally zero excuse for them to lose that game. Can you agree with that? Yeah. Well, yes, there's zero excuse to lose the Utah game. So, this is an easier game. It can happen. Yeah. The the one thing I am worried about is uh, if the NCAA disallows spectators for this game, which they might. Um, Washington State is much more used to playing in an empty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then that's going to be a huge blow for Arizona too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch, uh, watch Arizona lose to Washington again in the first round. Is that who? Is that what the matchup is? Yeah. Oh my God, that'd be I lovely. Laugh my ass. Oh, that'd that be happen. lovely. And I kind of think it's going to happen. It might, especially if they do, in fact, cancel spectators for this tournament. Yeah, because, like, like Washington has been better lately. They, they had, like, preseason top 25 talent earlier this year, and they've just collapsed. But it looks like they might be better. I don't know. They figured um, out how to play without a point guard. Wow, yeah, crazy. Um, if only Quad, Quad A Green could have his grades up to par. Um, so CU, if they beat Washington State, and they should because Washington State has one decent player. No exaggeration. Possibly an exaggeration. CJ um, Ellaby? Yeah, who's probably going to be an NBA draft pick this year. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can, please, God, keep him from scoring 30 points and carrying this team to a, like a 64-60 to 60 win. CU should roll through that, gain a little bit of momentum, and then go into their next game against Arizona State, who they've beaten already twice, and both were away from home. I like don't you said, really... like you said, this if CU's going to play like they did at the end of the year, this is the best case draw. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, Arizona State kind of sketches me out. Because Romello White bullies CU down low. I don't know why CU can't fight back against him, but they just give up when he's tussling with them. And if you remember Arizona State, like they shot horribly at the beginning of the year. They were facing an uphill climb because they were shooting like below 30% from three. And that team was so much better than that. Mm-hmm. And so they finally got hot, won seven straight games, played themselves into the NCAA tournament. And they look again like, like they're going to, beat the hell out of you, guard you full court with Jalen House being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I hate watching him play, but he's so good. Ah, yes. What about Alonzo Verge? 
Yeah, Solange Verge is like, is there? He just won six man of the year. He can score thirty points off the bench. That's terrifying, especially if CU's second unit isn't playing. <laughs> Which they um, haven't. They're taking a few weeks off. Yeah, and Remy Martin, uh, his first team All Pac-12 as a guard. I think he's a little overrated. You love him. Um, he is coming in ice cold, though. He's coming in this tournament yeah. ice cold. He frank he lost Arizona State that Washington game because he went, I yeah. believe, one for ten from three. That's what he does. He just chucks, even if he's off. <laughs> yes. So, I wouldn't mind if that streak continues. Um, well, CU has to beat Washington State first. And I don't yes. know if CU can beat anyone yes. right now. They, the, Their focus has to be there on defensive rebounding. Some signs were there in the second half where Tyler Bay decided to give an effort again, which is nice. He was dominant uh, defensively against Utah. but I think that Utah game is rock bottom. I don't think this team gets worse than that. I, I would say the Cal game was actually rock bottom. So, okay, yes. Sorry, the accumulation of four straight losses was rock bottom to lose on that fouled buzzer beater. Would you have – uh, the other thing that's really hurt them is every single wing scorer has gone cold, every single one. Yep. There's not a single guy other than McKinley Wright who can be counted on for a bucket at any moment in time right now. Do you think that's – like um, irredeemably broken, or do you think someone could just get hot? I think someone could absolutely get hot. Um, as as some people have pointed out, Carlin Brown was also pretty ice cold before the Pac-12 tournament in 2012. I mean, that um, team also lost four straight games before the Pac-12 tournament started. Right. Tab Oil does not finish a lot of years red hot. Yeah. Um, but it, there is no excuse for how they currently finish. I'm not betting on anyone to be a hero. Um, God, it'd just be nice to have one guy who just average, other than McKinley Wright, who's just like, I'm going to give you 10 points a game. Mm-hmm. I guess that's Tyler Bay, but they always seem a little quiet, don't they? Yeah, they, he does. Um, I thought that'd be Deshaun Schwartz this year, and it has been at times. I just want him to be more aggressive. And um, I've, how many times have I said that? I know, I, you I know. said the same thing. How many times has everyone said that? I'm not saying that I, I'm, I'm the only person with this take. It's just it's like beating, it's beating a dead horse. Every single person who watches him play comes away with the same analysis. Just like, oh, that guy is pretty good. He should know that. Like he, he should and figure he, that out about himself. So I thought he would break out this season because he was carrying himself with so much more confidence early this season and in the off season. And I thought he had finally realized how good he is. And then I think he went cold when he lost that. Uh, he went cold about mid, midway through the season. I would say more than almost any other player on this roster, I would prefer him if he had the mentality. And it's always hard to give people that mentality. But if he had a, a skier booker mentality where he just said the last five minutes are my five minutes. And I will mm-hmm. take every shot unless I choose not to. But the ball is in my hand. I would love that. I trust him handling the ball. I trust him on the wing. I trust him backing people down. I think he's versatile. I think he's a great finisher around the rim. And I don't know if he understands that. I feel like I would love for him to understand that. Uh, but he could be a killer if he wanted to. And it doesn't seem like he wanted to right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that completely. Um, so I think this team beats Washington State. and. Right now, I think they lose to Arizona State. But if they do click or if they do just grind Arizona State down and win, 
I think they beat UCLA or Stanford and then get to the tournament. Hopefully Stanford. Yes, hopefully Stanford. Um, so I don't know but, why well, I am not confident. CU's 2-0 against Arizona State and they're 0-2 against UCLA. And I think that they'll lose to Arizona State but would beat UCLA. I don't know why I think that. I don't know why either. I do not feel like that. Yeah, I – part of me thinks that UCLA is getting lucky. Well, they're not. I, I think they need enough people to, to know that they aren't. I know that they're not getting lucky, but I feel it. I don't think <laughs> – I see them, and I think that's, that's – they're, they're not a good basketball team. I know it's wrong, but this is how I feel, and you have to let me feel that way. Okay, I'll let you feel that way. <laughs> I think it's easy um, to lose sight in, in the, all this team's struggles. It's easy to lose sight that, um, as we just saw, you know, they have the defensive player of the year for the Pac-12. And they have two yep. – they have an all-first-team member, all-second-team member, all-first-team defensive member outside the de- defensive player of the year. Yeah, they, um, so, yeah, McKinley Wright and Tyler Bay are both all defensive. Right, and, and Tyler Bay won defensive player of the year. There's a reason yeah. for that. And it's not because that C, it's not because CU lost the last four games. CU was utterly dominant on defense for most of this year, period. They just were. And something went awry, and I don't know what it is. Just as quickly as it went bad, I believe it can go good again. And if CU finds that magic, this would be a good time. They're not on the bubble at all, but it'd be a good time to yeah. rack up some wins so you can get some better seeds. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's impossible for them to even win the conference tournament. I think playing as they did earlier this season when they were better than Oregon and they should have beat Oregon at Oregon and gone 2-0 against them, mm-hmm. I think that this team, when they're right, they are the best in the conference. I think Arizona is the best team when they're having a good game, but Arizona doesn't really do that. Um, no. so that's my opinion. Um, I think that they'll beat Washington State. I am not going to bet on anything past that. I, I'm not going to bet either. I'm just saying that I can see the potential for them, for, like, say, Shane Gatling to get hot and win them an Arizona State game. Maybe they shouldn't win. And then to just beat UCLA because they're the better team. This, well, I, I don't know what you're basing that off of. UCLA beat CU twice. <laughs> I know. And I think that they were both uh, – I think CU both had – fluky games i obviously the last ucla game wasn't a fluky game because you played exactly like that the next two the next three games but i think you see you had a lead against ucla and they lost because they stopped playing just straight up they just stopped playing they just mm-hmm. they had a scoring drought of like 10 fucking minutes um so that's what i see is i see cu playing their worst game of the season at ucla and then just collapsing at the home game and I don't necessarily think you can project too much into the future off of those two performances. Yeah, I, I just don't feel comfortable betting on this team right now, other than being a, a Washington State team that's not nearly as talented. That's all I feel comfortable with. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll let you take that. Um, I, I also think they will lose to Arizona State, but I see in anything could happen potential to this team. Um, yeah, they've. Sh- I guess that's a that's a sunny way of saying they've shaken confidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to talk nationally about basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your um? Who's your favorite, Who's your player of the year? 
Luca Garza. I think it's pretty easily Luca Garza. So why him over Obi Topin? Um, I think that the fact that he I he's so much more important to Iowa's plans. Um, I think Toppin kind of gets, in my mind, I guess maybe it's backwards. He kind of gets hurt because of how good the team is around him. I mean, um, Obi Toppin is that. Dayton can only play as they play because he can do everything as that small ball five. You can't run that offense without someone who can protect the rim, shoot threes, dunk on people, and handle the ball himself. I think they'd still be a good team if he wasn't that good. I don't think that Iowa would still be a good team if Garza wasn't the gravity well that he is on offense. Well, let me see another thing. Luca Garza doesn't play a lick of defense. That Iowa team is horrendous at defense. They gave up 100 points to Purdue at home, I think. Okay. So I value two-way basketball a little more than you, I think. You like the just the people who can get a bucket. I want a two-way player. So how do you defend Luca Garza's lack of defense, I guess? Yeah, he's not going to he's not going to he's not going to play good defense for you. And I mean, no, other teams attack him specifically. To go yeah, get I would I mean, yeah, he's he's kind of I don't know. He's like Jokic without the positioning in a way. He's just super Jokic slow in the middle. Jokic is a good defender. Right, but I think it's because Jokic knows the angles and he knows what he can get yeah. away with. I don't think Luka mm-hmm. knows those. But the, I mean, he is he kept that team buoyant when there was six players for for them to play any games in a in the hardest league in college basketball. No one else has his statistical profile on offense, and I, I keep coming back to the fact that Top Toppin is good on both sides. But he also is free to do a lot more fun stuff, I think, on offense and defense because I, and I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to him, but he has one of the best guard duos in the country also on his team. Like Jalen Crutcher and Trey Landers are amazing, and they would be really good even without Obi Toppin. I don't I just, know. I don't the like the arguments. I don't like when there's an argument that – so Dayton is – Number three, they're going to be a one seed. This is easily the best year in program history for them. Mm-hmm. And to get a one seed in the um, in A-10. the what's it called the A ten, yes, um, that's absurd. And I don't like uh, disparaging a player because his teammates are better than someone else's. Um, the the argument I can see is um, Luca Garza has been doing this in a better conference and against better competition. And he does get a lot of credit for single-handedly carrying that team through that. Because, like, like Marcus Howard can't carry Marquette by himself mm-hmm. uh, for, for comparison. Um, so that's obviously something to keep in mind. But I just – I see Garza as the more important off, offensive player, but not by that much to just give him the award when Topin does more on defense and he's the reason why Dayton can play like they do. I, well, I, and this is going to make it sound like I don't like Obi Toppin. I do love Obi Toppin. Um, Every CU fan should love him. Right. Uh, it helps that he's 0-2 against CU, but yeah. Yeah, and he was um, talking shit to CU fans during the NIT game. Yes, he was very heavily. 
which yes, I also appreciate. Was, I love, was so I love fun when players that. do that. Yes. And I think this also, I mean, we have a very um, publicized uh, difference in preferred play styles. And I guess maybe this is another stark reminder of that. I think it is. I the other thing I love is Luca Garza knows exactly you know exactly what he's gonna do every time he gets the goddamn ball. Oh he's yeah. gonna pound I'll, it until it deflates, he's gonna turn around, he's gonna score on you. And I love that. And I love that. I he doesn't miss. That's the funny thing. It's just it's hard for me to reward someone when they only play one side of the floor consistently. And right, like, but, like, it, but he's winning. Like, they are winning because of that. I mean, they're also – yeah, I mean, I think he's a liability um, on defense, and I think that this team could be better, I guess. I, no, that's a bad take. Don't don't quote. Don't. <laughs> oh, I'll do cut see, that out. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you see my argument, though, for uh, Topin? Yeah, and I don't think he's bad in any by any stretch. I think he's clearly number two, and I think he's pretty close to number one. I just don't think he's bad. Hold on. Live, we got a Pac-12 update about the arena, the, the conference tournament. Oh, yeah? Um, I think fans are still allowed in. Okay. But no locker room access for media. Um, universities don't have to send their bands. Yeah, but the taking place is planned. Either way, um, I think it's pretty obviously a two-man race at this point, right? There's no other people. I mean, Vernon Carey maybe is up there? I don't maybe. think he is. Um, I personally have a love for Devin Dotson. That's funny because I was about to say Udoka Azubuki. Yeah, well, I mean, like, either one would work. Uh, I think they're both – the. I, I think Kansas is the only truly good team this year in college mm-hmm. basketball. Mm-hmm. They're the only team I trust. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I think we can agree to disagree that our preferences – I obviously I, – I love both players. I just think Topin for, like, how important he is to Dayton playing that five-out style of basketball. I think yeah. he gives room for those guards to be that great. I think that that can't be undervalued. Because mm-hmm. um, his offense isn't just his scoring and his passing; it's opening up the floor for everybody else. Right. To me, what's more valuable is saying, "I need two, but I need two points of possession. I'm just going to throw it to you." Bye. Yeah, and I think that that's our fundamental disagreement with basketball. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, okay, so what's your all-American team? I think we'll have four players the same. Okay, I think Devon Dotson. Yes. Okay, I think uh, Garza. Yes. I think Toppin. Yes, I have those um, three. What? I have the same three. Okay, I'm going to see. Maybe, now hold on, this might be where we differ. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my other forward, I'm actually, I'm going to say Sadiq Bey. I do not have him. I love Sadiq Bey. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> okay, well, who's yours? Who's your wing? Um, I mean, I had two guards. I don't well, I'm want... doing guard, guard, forward, forward, center. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing um, guard, guard, forward, forward, center. Okay. So I have, uh, I mean, my guard is Devin Dotson. My forwards are Garza and Topin. Or Toppin. Well, yes. 
Oh, Iyengar's at center. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, and then my other guard, I don't want to give it to him because I don't like Marquette, but I would have Marcus Howard. There. Wow. Okay. He's putting up 27, 27 points a game on like 42% three-point shooting. That's I think it has point. to be Peyton Pritchard. I think it has to be. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to argue. I was deciding between the two. Maybe Miles I, Powell? Not well, – no. Miles Powell, I don't think he belongs there. I think Malachi Flynn has a better argument. Oh, oh, that's a good one, too. Kamar Baldwin as well. But, yeah, Malachi Flynn. Um, I think Peyton Pritchard is the more winning player. And I yeah. think he's better. And I think I should give it to him. And I think that you're right. Okay. So now we have I'm four out of five. I'm just trying to say that Marcus Howard is just like – what he's doing is a little bit absurd, and I wish that he had more help. Um, um yeah. I mean, he also he, – I he takes – a. He has an extremely green light. He takes a lot of shots. I'm saying he hits 42% of threes. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. That's absurd. That's, that's a lot. ridiculous. Okay. But, yeah, so if you can – like, that's the Harden argument, basically. Like, James Harden for any MVP is that he takes – if you have someone who's that high usage and that efficient, that's just something to be marveled at. Mm-hmm. Who you think? Who's our difference then? Not Sadiq Bay for you. Who's your forward? Um, Jalen Smith. That's probably a better one. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the 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 Maryland big man. Yeah, I mean he is. Him and Anthony Cowan are, are carrying that that team. Um, here's okay. Here's where we're gonna end on, I guess. Who is your favorite player to watch this year? Not best player not all american your favorite player to watch this year um can you go first yeah mine's gonna be the same as it has been for the past two years um i love cassius winston and i'm very sad he's gonna be gone Mm -hmm. despite the fact that his brother died during the year he put this team this michigan state team on his back every single game he's so smart he's so crafty yeah, just what a guard. Love that guy. Um, I really like uh, Ayo Dansunmu on Illinois. Mm. Um, I really like um, uh, fuck, I Zeke Naji is like my favorite type of player to just have like a low skill, high energy, pogo stick power forward. Yeah, like Kenneth Reed. Reed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I really like him. I uh. I really like Joel Ajayi on Gonzaga for no reason. Really? Yeah. Do you know who his his second choice was? Was it CU? It was CU. I think I did know that. Yeah. That sucks. Ugh. Who's your I actually don't like this Gonzaga team very much. I don't trust them. I don't like them very much at all. I like them more when they had uh, Zach Norvell. Yes, I love Zach Norvell. Um, and the um, other guy we both mentioned, I love Yudoka Azabuki because I love big guys who know how big they are. I like Marcus Garrett. He's fun to watch for different reasons. Yes, I also love him. He's wow. a great, Look he's a great tool knife. We both love um, Kansas this year. I guess that's our pick. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I think we're both going to have Kansas as our champion when we record this podcast next week. Is a ghost moving in and out of your screen door? Is this what's happening? 
Oh, sorry. No, I'm sitting <laughs> in my uh, office chair and I'm leaning back and it's creaking. Okay. I mean, you could have played into the ghost angle a little bit, but it's fine. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't no, have any. I get it. Accuracy over story. We're the real journalists. I get it. Okay. Give me your least favorite player to, to watch out of anybody. Wow. Okay. Um, least favorite player to watch. Say Tyler Bay. Uh, it's not Tyler Bay. Don't worry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Dalen Coots. Let's say Dalen Coots. Uh, here's one for you. Um, I think Josh Green could have been way better for Arizona than he, than he was. I think Nico Mannion could have been better too. Are, are both of our, are both of us going to say Arizona players? No, I'm not going to pick Nico Mannion. I am fishing for in answers in my head, and I think it's going to be. Um, I hate all of Duke's guards that can't shoot. Mm-hmm. They and, have to be able to shoot, huh? Yes, yes. For me, yes. Um, who am I thinking of? Sorry, this is so this is stalling out terribly. I don't even know what I had. I think Scotty Lewis on Florida could have been so much better. I was so hyped on Florida this year. Yeah. And I'm upset. Well, yeah, you shouldn't have been hyped on Florida. I, I realize that. I but I was. Um yes. Okay. Let's see. In terms of I mean, in pure villains, Brad Davison from Wisconsin is like the worst guy ever. Because yeah. he uh he trips players, he hits them in the balls, does all his fun stuff. Flops every fucking chance. Yeah, I don't. I haven't watched Big Ten basketball hardly at all this year because I enjoy having fun. <laughs> oh okay. man, give me your uh, who's your, I guess, Big Ten champ. We're gonna end the podcast on a Big Ten championship prediction. No, 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 no. I'm gonna run it through the other conferences. I want okay. Your, Championship predictions. Uh, big uh, Michigan State. Yep, same. Okay, uh, Pac-12. I believe. Um, oh God. I I should know this because this is the conference I've watched the most of. Okay, I'm going Oregon. It's easy. I don't think it's Oregon. But I think they could also lose easily. I think it's Oregon or CU. Put in the wow. Works. I don't think yep. it's either of those. You know what? My sleeper pick's gonna be Stanford. Okay, I don't mind that. Um, SEC. Kentucky, easy money. Yeah, Kentucky, easy money. Um, also, Auburn sucks, and I'm glad that they started losing games. Yep. Um, Big 12, Kansas, obviously. Yep. Um, well, ACC. Virginia. Damn it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that I don't yours? Have the, yeah. Uh, Florida State's too boring. They already won the conference. Uh, I guess I am gonna pick Duke. Okay. Oh, how fun! I well, that's because you stole mine, um, and I didn't want to agree with you on every conference. That's true. It would have been every conference, um, except for the Pac-12. Is that is that the last? Uh, there's the last of the Power Five. Let's do the Big East. Oh fuck! Who even is in the Big East? Wow. <laughs> uh, Villanova. No, no, no. Creighton. I'm picking Creighton. Uh, bad pick because Marcus Adorowski just was rolled out for the Big East tournament. I don't know um, who that is. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm gonna watch Big East basketball? You should. I it's amazing. To, I'm leaving the country soon. I have to spend time with my friends and family. Okay, I'm picking Seton Hall. Uh, okay, I'm gonna. I love I'm Seton Hall. That. I'm going Villanova. Boring. 
I'm sorry. You, I you love Sadiq Bay. I love Sadiq Bay, and everyone yeah. who has a chance, watch him because he is a bucket getter. <sighs> okay, are we good? I'm good. Are you good? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's it. <laughs> Bye. Buzz. 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 Buzz.